My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer, and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Hello, everyone. This is Gail, a.k.a. Sunshine. And today we have Stephanie Lunning joining us around the campfire. Stephanie, it is so good to have you with us. Thank you. It's nice and cozy in here by this it campfire. It sure is. Mm. Well, I want to start by just asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where do you live? And one fun fact. I am originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, born and raised. I went to Kentucky for college, majored in nursing. I moved to North Carolina after that, to Chicago after that, and now I have landed in Denver. Awesome. Um, yes, and a fun fact about me, let me think. I have done four triathlons, maybe? Awesome. Yeah. That is amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Very cool. So the other part of your story we want to talk about oh, is yes. your cancer story. Okay. Um, so when were you diagnosed? Uh, what symptoms did you have going into it? Treatment? Lay it on us. <laughs> Um, I was working nights after I graduated school in North Carolina and I had been up because I had worked a 12 hour shift the night before I was diagnosed and I came home and I would work three 12 hour shifts back to back. And it was my second 12. I'd been up talking to my roommates the day after my shift. And I had been making my dinner for the next night shift. And then I would go and take like a four hour nap before I went into work. And my friends were having a party that night. I was talking to my roommate and her boyfriend, like, oh, I really want to call in sick to work. I don't want to go. <sighs> Stupid job. <laughs> um, so inconvenient. It's so inconvenient. I mean, like, I like to pay rent on time and all that, but it really gets in the way of partying. Mm -hmm. you know? So my roommate came into my bedroom later that night and woke me up and she was like, why aren't you at work? And I was like, um, I don't have to work. Why are you waking me up? And she was like, my nickname was is Flo. And she was like, Flo, you've been talking all day about how you didn't want to go to work and you wanted to call in sick because, you know, whoever's having a party. And I was like, Steph, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't have to work tonight. Like, she's like, you're acting very weird. Come down mm -hmm. to the kitchen and like talk to me some more. 
So I went down and I had been defrosting some shrimp in the sink for my dinner. And I was like, are you guys making shrimp for dinner? And they're like, um, you did that earlier today. And I was like, oh. I did? I don't remember. And I kept on looking at the clock and asking what time it was. It was two days before Christmas. And I had also taken our other roommate, Susan, to the airport earlier that day and dropped her off. And um, I was looking around. I was like, where's Susan? She's like, oh, my God, we are going to the emergency room. And I was like, I'm just tired. Like, you know, I just need to sleep a little bit more. It's my third 12 on. Like, my mind's just exhausted. I'm just going to go back to bed. If I'm still weird tomorrow, you know, we can go. She's like, you're getting in the car or I'm calling your mother. And I was like, okay, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Um, So we went to the hospital where I work to the ER and talked to the, like the ER intake nurse. And she like brings me back right away. And I was like, huh, this isn't a good sign. And then they take me back to the scanner, the CT scanner pretty quickly. And I was also like, huh, that's not a good sign. And when I started nursing, I worked in the neuro ICU. So I knew some guys in the scanning room. Yeah. And I came out and I'm like a sarcastic, very dry sense of humor person. And so I came out and I look at the the tech and I'm like, so what? Like, there's nothing in my head. And he just had this like deadpan look. Uh. And I was like, crap. So I spent all night in the ER, this probably a resident who had like, three marbles for brains comes in and he's like uh it's like three in the morning he's like so you have a brain tumor and i was like what he's like you don't ask act very surprised did you know about it and i was like um no dude i think i'm in shock (laughs) like wow that was how you found out yeah Um. yeah just like that and he's like, we're going to admit you to the hospital and then neurosurgery will come see you tomorrow. I was like, okay. So I called my mom and we used to prank my parents in college while we were drinking. That we were like <laughs> in jail. <laughs> oh, no. In jail or, you know, with the cops or something had happened. Like never anything like terrible. But usually we're in jail or with the cops. And so it was like three or four in the morning in Cincinnati and I call and I'm like, my dad answers the phone. He's like, hello, I'm like, dad, I'm fine, but I'm in the emergency room and they just told me I have a brain tumor. He's like, Stephanie, this is not a funny joke. And I was like, not joking. He was Uh like, that happened like three more times. And I was like, I'm telling you, it's not a joke. He's like, here, talk to your mother. So he gives me to my mom and she does the same thing. Like, this is not funny. Where have you been drinking? It's Wednesday night. <laughs> like, uh, like, I haven't, you know, like, who do you yeah. want to talk to? Do you want to talk to the doctor? You want to talk to the nurses? Like your pick, you tell me. She's like, yeah. I swear to God, if this is a joke, I'm going to kill you. It's like, not, it's not a joke. So she flew down the next day and packed like i was like totally in shock you know like she we were gonna drive back to cincinnati because a friend of ours 
brother is a neurosurgeon. And so she had called them and they had gotten stuff together in the background on her drive down. And so I packed like two t-shirts and like maybe three pairs of underwear, like not having a clue how long I was going to be gone for. Right. And drove home and got treatment, had surgery in the standard, I think it's like six weeks of radiation and Temodar, which is the typical um, standard treatment for uh, aggressive brain tumor. And I was 24 years old. And that was a big change in my life. But like my job could not have been more supportive. So I called Hmm. my charge nurse who is I was a good friend of and she came down right away with like four other girls from our unit and they were just like all in my room like what can we do you know who do you need what do you need what can you know like so supportive and like so great and of course my roommate and her boyfriend were still there like all night some of our other friends had come to the hospital so i was i'm i've just been very lucky with all the support that well I yeah it sounds like it was like boom 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 you, mm-hmm. you you found out you had a tumor. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. So yeah. there was no time at that point for second opinions. Just you just kind of opinion. Yeah. Boom. Okay. Because they they thought my confusion was because I had a seizure in my sleep because I had oh. no other symptoms before. Okay. Like not one. Okay. And I've thought a lot about it. Like, could I have had like some small seizures that I just didn't know were seizures and like then something happened. Um, but I can't think of anything. And so they, they assume it was my, uh, the tumor had finally grown to a size where it was big enough to like cause an issue. And I must've had a seizure and then stuff came in and woke me up. And then it was what you call post ictal where you're very confused and disoriented after seizures and and so they felt it was now causing an issue and I had to go into surgery. So right. we got home. That was like December 23rd. I got um, diagnosed. And then January 10th, I had surgery. Okay. So Christmas. Years. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. So you did that whole first round surgery, treatment, yeah. radiation. Yeah. And then you're done. And then I was done. And Did life go back to normal? Life went back to normal, pretty much. I moved back to Charlotte for about a year. And then um, just needed a change. So my roommate and I moved to Chicago. And fast forward, gosh, 13 years later, I had, I had like a spot when I was 30 that they definitely thought was a recurrence. And I'd worked with a group of neurosurgeons then. And so speaking of like getting second opinions, I was like showing it to like all seven of them. And the (laughs) thing about it is like, they're all different. They all have like their own opinions on it. So they would, you know, give me an opinion and it would be like, I think you do this. And then I'd show it to the next one. I think you should do this, which was totally different. And then you do different. And, what in my experience, you just go with like what you research, what settles in your soul and like feels right with your gut. Yeah. Um, and also like 
who you feel most comfortable with as mm -hmm. a physician. Like, I don't know. I think yeah. that's a big part of it too. Like if you don't trust your doctor, especially if they're going to be operating on you. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> that would be a problem with me. So, um, so at the time they found the lesions, nothing was mm -hmm. done right there. Then it moved Nothing forward, was done. Right? Yeah. Okay. The plan was for me to go back and do chemotherapy. Okay. But I did, like my gut told me that spot was not real. It was mm. artifact or something in the MRI. And I was like, I just don't believe this is true. Like something in my gut was like, it's not there. So I had never done fertility treatment preservation mm -hmm. um, because when I was 24, I didn't have time. Right. And I should have asked about it like when I was in that plus, 10 plus years of remission. Um, but I just never did because I was like, do I want kids? I don't know. Yeah. And then I decided, yes, like before I blast my body with chemo a second mm -hmm. time, I want to do it. So I did egg retrieval and then I got scanned again and like the day I was supposed to start treatment uh the nurse practitioner came out and was like stop it's gone it's <laughs> like I knew I knew it wasn't there wow um, yeah so then fast forward and then in July of 21 my oncologist would always come in and he I'd be like waiting for my scan results, which people get scan anxiety. It's a big thing, but mm -hmm. I always, my, my like, and I did as well for the first like five years. And then I was like, this is a bunch of wasted energy mm -hmm. to like worry about this every time. Like I get myself all worked up and nothing's there. So like, yeah. I'm going to take this new Zen approach and I'm going to tell myself there's nothing to worry about until I know there's something to worry about. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm going to approach it from yeah. now on. And I did. And so my oncologist would always come in and he'd be like, Ugh. I'd be like, what's the scan result? He's like, you're so boring. Like nothing's <laughs> on there. And, you know, so. The only fast, time being boring is a compliment. It's good, right? Yeah. So fast forward to June of 2021, I was at home for a family trip and at my mom's and my um a couple of our family was coming over and then my brother's in-laws were coming over for like a cookout and i had had a scan before i left and my oncologist was supposed to call me i don't know like one o'clock in the afternoon and he is notoriously like hours late <laughs> so i'm waiting 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 for this call people are pulling in the driveway and finally he calls me and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the boring talk. I'll go in, I'll like mingle, have a drink, have fun tonight, whatever. He's like, how have you been feeling? And I was like, oh God. Yeah, this isn't <laughs> the know, same. Yeah. How have I been feeling? I was like, I feel okay. I've been tired. You know, like I've had like one or two more seizures lately. Like I'm having some word finding problems, whatever it was. Right. He's like, well, I asked because there's something there. And I was like, what do you mean there's something there? So we talk about it and fast forward because of my spot. I was like, let's wait another month and like see what if it grows or anything. Right. So then we wait 
I think one or two more months and I went back to Chicago because by that time I had moved to Denver Mm -hmm. somewhere in between. I think in the end of 2020, I moved to Denver. And so I had gone back to Chicago for the next MRI and walk in the office and he's like, snow better. I took the um, liberty of inviting the neurosurgeon to your appointment today. I was like, oh God, uh, it's, that, it's that good, huh? He's yeah. like, yeah, we've got to like do something like within weeks, not months. Was it in the same area as the was, first time? Luckily, yes. So yeah. when you have a brain tumor, when they do surgery, they cut it out and try and get like all the, margins. the tumor yeah. margins. So you're left with this like hole in your brain that just fills with fluid. Mm-hmm. And luckily it just grew back into itself. Um, it did grow out some more, um, mm-hmm. but the bulk of it was mainly like In on the, the border. So that was, that's great. Very lucky that way. And so I had my second craniotomy in August of 22. And um, we had talked before surgery about doing another round of radiation and more chemo. And my oncologist had said, you know, it's been so long since you did your last radiation, I think it would be safe to do it like your brain doesn't forget, but it forgives a little Hmm. bit. So I think we'd be safe enough to that it's been this far apart from the last time. And so he said, but you know, like, that's something you could talk more in depth to the radiation oncologist about. So he set up an appointment with me just to talk to the radiation oncologist. And I did, and he was of the opposite Hmm. opinion that if I did more radiation, I would have deficits based on where my tumor was. And like, um, it's kind of close to my speech Mm-hmm. pathway and like my left side my left arm and leg um movement mm-hmm. so i was like well that doesn't sound great and then my sister is a really good um researcher and like she's a biology major so she's also like a honey badger <laughs> she, <laughs> she's a very good advocate And so she is always like researching things, looking up the latest and greatest. And she called um, University of San Francisco Mm -hmm. um, and Dana Farber and had got messages to their neurosurgeons and neuro-oncologists. And then they, the neurosurgeon at UCSF had, you know, I'd mentioned something about radiation doing radiation again and he said well let me have you talk to our radiation oncologist so i talked to their radiation oncologist <laughs> and at dana farber and they were all three in the same boat like we they wouldn't recommend doing it again because mm. i would have some kind of a deficit deficit well so, there is definitely a benefit of giving a second third and fourth opinion yes right i'm sure <laughs> Yeah. You felt much, I would guess that you felt much more comfortable about your decision knowing that you now yeah. had three yeah. professionals. Yeah. Who were all same. on the same course. Yeah. And so my sister found this neuro oncologist at Dana Farmer that I ended up seeing 
for treatment for a trial drug there. And I live, she lives in um, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And so, which like an hour north of Boston. And, um, and so we went to this appointment. He's like, yeah, I think this would be good for you. And so I started the trial and I had to stay locally for three months. So I lived with my sister and her family for three months, God love her, with my mother. Um, and we were all one big happy family. I'm and sure. And my sister, I mean, like, I, I can't say enough about, like, how wonderful That's my amazing. family is, like, with support. Like, they, yeah, it would. I could do a whole podcast on it. On your family, yeah. And so my sister would get up at, like, 5 a.m., like, drive us to to Boston and Boston traffic, sit there for an hour or two for my appointments, then drive us back in Boston traffic. And like, not once did she ever complain, like, have two extra mouths to feed the whole yeah. you know, thing never complained once. That's amazing. Yeah. And now she's back doing it again. But- <laughs> So that went on for that went on for I took that trial drug for um, nine months, I stopped it August of 22. It was it was pretty challenging to tolerate for my body. I think people did okay on it. But the protocol for that trial, and they're all different. But this one I had to have I had a go to Dana-Farber once a month. So I had to fly, you know, take a day off mm-hmm. of work, fly across the country from Denver to Boston <laughs> once a month, um, get an EKG, blood work. Wow. Something else. I don't know. There was one other test they had to do before they could give me a refill on the drugs. And um, it was a phase one trial. So they're just, you know, beginning to test mm-hmm. it and, you get to have all the side effects and whatnot. So I had mm. one of my biggest side effects was pretty bad anemia. And yeah. so I had to have, I was like super tired um, and had to have three blood transfusions. Oh gosh. Um, the trial and then um, it started to affect my eyes, like my eyes, I got- Like your vision? T- yeah, like my vision was a lot blurrier. Like I had really bad sensitivity to light. And like when that happened, I could barely open my eyes. And um, and so I went to the eye doctor and they're like, you have all these spots in your eyes. This has anything to do with the drug? I'm like, I don't know. So turns out it did. And so I had a, my cornea were inflamed from oh, the drug. Gosh. And so I went to a corneal specialist and did a bunch of drops and luckily that's all been resolved but Mm -hmm. um they stopped the trial drug because at higher doses it was causing high toxicity in people to go blind so i mean that's yeah yeah. you don't need to add that to the mix i don't (laughs) um so then so you you finished that was what august August 22? of 22, okay. and I've just been being monitored with um, serial MRIs every two months. Okay. And so um, I've been fine. And then 
Um, I had my last scan October 15th and as in found, like, as in like a week ago, a week ago, okay. a week and a half ago, whenever that was. And they have found some more growth. Yeah. So um, I had a in the same area in the same area i think it's a bit deeper than yeah. what it was but you know they're yeah. all, cancer just sucks it sucks um, absolutely yeah seems to always come back and bite you in the ass one way or another in the, in the butt <sighs> so um, what now what so we don't have a plan yet i told them i will not do a surgery i like refuse to do a third and why is that you um i mean it sounds horrible but i am curious yeah. what you're <laughs> it really sucks having your skull your cracked brain. open and your brain played around with for multiple hours um and my tumor is like just to the point where they have to like mess with my jaw a oh, bit to yeah. get to it and so when i wake up i can't really open my jaw and yeah. for the next like weaker month it just is really bothersome um and because of the radiation i had initially they had a hard time closing the incision because my skin's so fragile yeah and so they had to like leave the stitches in for three weeks um which skin starts to grow over them and when they take them out it's not comfortable yeah um sorry i'm an I like, I'm a nurse, so I like, don't think. No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm now the picture of why you don't want to do surgery is very clear. Yes. Yeah. So have Um, you, coming back to second opinions, have you? So yeah. So we're working on second opinions. Um, I've already reached out to my old oncologist and getting the images sent to them. My sister, the honey badger is back in Mm -hmm. action. She, we've talked to, um, to uh, MD Anderson, Sloan mm. Kettering, and Duke, wow. um, like most of the top, yeah, brain tumor centers. And my there's no um, clinical trials at University of Colorado where where my mm. oncologist is, and so they would be doing radiation and oral chemotherapy again, which. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done and based off what the three previous right. radiation oncologists had discussed with me, like, um, doesn't sound like a, I don't know yeah. that I'm like really would, like I said, I would, I would think deeply about it and consider yeah. it as a treatment since I'm not open to surgery. Um, but we're looking into clinical trials. Um, luckily I have a friend who is in charge of like putting clinical trials together with J and J. So she's been sending me some things and the first wow. time I feel like the first time, and this is like a rant on the side, but I feel like the first time you go through this, you just like go through it mm-hmm. and you do it and you do what your doctors tell you because they are your doctors and you think they're smart. This is their, this mm-hmm. is their specialty. Like they're telling you what's the best and they are like, they absolutely right. are. But I think it's always helpful just to get somebody else's view and opinion on it to make Mm -hmm. sure like they, you know, are on the same track and there's nothing like new or anything. 
like if you, well, yeah. if you at all have like any like hesitancy about what your doctor is telling you get a second opinion and if Absolutely. your doctor is not okay with you getting a second opinion you need to run out of yep. the office Absolutely. We're all human, right? Yes. Even though yeah. these these doctors have studied, they're brilliant, yeah. right? Right, right. We yeah. all, I don't even want to say we all make mistakes, but we all need another point of view. Right. We all need another, um, more information, right? Yes. So I, yeah, I absolutely. I'm of the school of thought that like the more information, the better. I feel like mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who are the complete opposite, like, stick my head in the sand. I'm just going to do whatever they tell me. And that's yeah. what it's going to be. And that's fine. And a girl from camp mm -hmm. had colon cancer that spread to her liver and they had, she had a colostomy and her doctor was just kind of like, this is all we can do for you. And she was like, you know, just accepting it and like waiting that's her fate. Mm -hmm. And we said to her, like, you should go seek other physicians. Like mm -hmm. they can, maybe they know of a different technique that mm -hmm. they do there and not at this other hospital that they can fix, like they can surgically remove these things and reverse your colostomy. Cause she heard right. Dr. Damon tell her that was a possibility. Wow. Um, so anyway, she did she sought out a, another physician and she just had surgery um to awesome. reverse her collect her colostomy and remove all the tumors from her liver and amazing I her in the hospital and she was like so happy and like hopeful and it was yeah. great so great to see so like i don't know if someone i feel like if someone tells you no is the point like don't accept it. Like go mm -hmm. find, you know, yeah. another no. And if you keep getting no's and it's a no. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately. So um, all of this is very fresh and raw for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, this literally just happened. Yeah. Um, in between numbers two and three, you uh -huh. went to camp, right? I did go to camp. Is there anything that you took from camp that is helping in this new world that you have found yourself in. Yeah, I think camp was really great for me. I tend to not deal with things. I'm a shover. I'm a pusher. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, right there with push you. everything down until like you just put your head down and go and like get through it. Um, do what you have to do. And then like, maybe you deal with it later. Maybe you don't. Yeah. And like, I'm not a very emotional person. And so like, that's served me well for <laughs> 40 years. And, um, <laughs> and so like camp, I was like all my, I have a, a lot of friends, unfortunately, who have had cancer yeah. in the past and have done other cancer camps. And um, I always wanted to go, but I had aged out. And, mm -hmm. and so then I had met um, the Pharaohs at the Chicago, Chicago mm -hmm. the Denver Marathon. Oh, um, yeah. And I was talking to Mama Lou, and she was like, well, you know, you should sign up for camp. And I was like, 
am I too old? And she was like, no, there's no age limits. And I was like, I'll sign up for camp. Awesome. And so I signed up for camp and I thought it was going to be like much longer period of when I'd be going. And I didn't really have any expectations, but like I went and I was like, it was so therapeutic because Mm -hmm. fuzzy the first night was like, you know, around the campfire, mm-hmm. like the literal campfire. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> um, was just like, you know, it's it's easier. Like people say it's easier here because people just, you can cut through the crap. Like people just get it because mm-hmm. they've done it. They understand. They've been where you are. And it is easier to like open up and talk about things. And like, I don't do that a lot, especially with, my family because I don't want to scare them. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I want to protect them, but yeah. they, you know, it's not always the best choice. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it was very like therapeutic to me to like open up and like talk to people who had been through it before and, yep. you know, had felt the same way and could relate and like, respond with like meaningful advice not that people who have not had cancer don't have meaningful advice like everyone has meaningful advice but they're Um, coming from the same place of having heard those words you have cancer or that it's come back or that you know they've gone through the chemo or whatever yeah yeah and you know they're like oh did you have this you're like yes i did and you have like that immediate like connection and camaraderie so that was really fun i loved being at camp and like sleeping in the cabins and it reminded me of like camp as a kid exactly oh i get to be a kid again for a week and um i just loved like there was like a lot of like meaningful talk but then also like the laughing of the laughter and also the the like the daily adventures that you just like don't typically do Mm -hmm. and i was very nervous to do one of the adventures because (laughs) i have epilepsy it could have like you know not gone well it could have not gone well if i had a seizure which i was positive i wouldn't but you never know things no. crazy things happen and so like i was very impressed by mm. the way that the medical team and mama lou and fuzzy and wingman and everyone like took care of not only me but everyone mm-hmm. and like there was a girl on our trip who got sick during one of the adventures and we all just banded together and like did what we needed to do to get her back to a healthy state. And the camaraderie was just like great. And now I have like a new family of 25 friends who I feel like I could call at any time and, you know, cry to or ask advice from or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine just knowing that they're all there whether yeah. or not you've reached out to them yeah. yet because this is so fresh yeah i imagine that's huge yes it's great. just having that mm-hmm. that system yeah yeah it's a whole another support system that's awesome <sighs> well is there anything else that i haven't asked you about that you would want to share with someone listening 
find a therapist if you don't mm. have one. It's it's not taboo anymore. They're very yeah. helpful. You know, you can talk to them about anything. I always was too proud to have one. And in the last like, <laughs> three to five years, I've gone through the worst years of my life, um, yeah. out, even outside of cancer. And I think it would have been it would have been a lot harder to deal with without someone like just outside of family and friends mm -hmm. who always will take your side and always will you know like support you but it's kind of nice to be like well did you feel like you did anything wrong in that situation <laughs> like, a like good perspective you know and it takes it's true it does take a while to to find a therapist that you drive with and like mm -hmm. you mesh well with so if the first one doesn't work like don't be discouraged just yeah see who else is in your network or something so excellent it's very helpful completely agree yeah well last question marshmallows mm -hmm. over a campfire slow and steady or flaming crispy oh flaming crispy right on mm -hmm. i love it burn them up <laughs> well stephanie thank you so much thank you for sharing yeah. that very fresh and heavy news um yes. and we'll be wishing you the best as you go forward and figure out how to tackle this beast yeah i've always um this is a funny side note named my tumors and so my first one was earl because earl, earl had to die he had a mm -hmm. theme song Mm -hmm. The second one was Karen because Karen of the, you know, Karen's popular. The mean, right. The mean, the mean uppity woman. And now they've had a baby in my head. And, and? I'm thinking of a name. So if any Ooh. listeners have any suggestions. Um, <laughs> I love it. All right. So we're going to think of okay. Earl and Karen's baby's name. Child's name. For mm -hmm. your tumor. All right. Yes. I'm well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Stephanie, very yes. much. And thank you to everyone listening. And until the next time we gather around the campfire, keep living beyond cancer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Further times, down,